In previous episodes, I have mentioned a book that I love. It's called Body into Balance, an Herbal Guide to Holistic Self-Care. In this episode, I am going to be sharing some information from this book. The book was written by Maria Noel Groves. It's all about self-care, health, and learning about your body systems. And in this episode, I'm going to be sharing information about blood sugar. I'm going to start by discussing the differences between type 1 and and type 2 diabetes. Then I will go on to discuss blood sugar a little more in depth and talk a little more about insulin, then diabetes risk factors, and then I will get into some of the remedies to balance blood sugar and some other hypoglycemic herbs. These are herbs that lower blood sugar, and I'm going to share two recipes for blood sugar teas. Thank you very, very much for taking the time to listen to this episode. I hope you find this informative. I hope you use this information to keep yourself and everyone you love as healthy as possible. The statements I make on this podcast are for educational purposes only. My statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. Therefore, the statements I make are not meant to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All of the information I share is simply for informational purposes only. You should always consult with a licensed healthcare professional before you start taking a new vitamin, supplement, medicinal herb, or conventional medication. You should also get professional advice before you start a new exercise program or if you suspect that you might have a health problem. Knowledge is power. I hope you use the information I share with you to seek the best care for yourself and the people you love. Thank you for listening. In this episode, I want to discuss remedies to balance blood sugar, but again, I'm going to remind you that when I speak about blood sugar remedies and diabetes, I am generally referring to type 2 diabetes, and I'm going to briefly go over the difference between type 1 and type 2 diabetes, and then I'll get into some remedies for balancing blood sugar. So I've been discussing insulin resistance. When I talk about insulin resistance and type 2 diabetes. I'm basically referring to a disease that is largely related to lifestyle and it can be well managed and it can also be reversed by diet, exercise, herbs, etc. There are some overlap in beneficial diets, lifestyle changes, and herbs when you speak of type 1 diabetes compared to type 2 diabetes. Type 1 diabetes is a condition that is pretty different from type 2 diabetes and it does require medical care. In type 1 diabetes, the beta cells are actually destroyed and this often happens at a young age due to like an autoimmune attack and then the beta cells, because they're destroyed, you have no way of producing insulin. No amount of herbs can cure that condition and some herbs can actually be dangerous for type 1 diabetes. The goal in managing type 1 diabetes should be to minimize 
minimize blood sugar spikes and crashes and reduce the risk of secondary complications. You can do this by taking really good care of your blood vessels and including antioxidants in your diet. For type 1 diabetes, conventional care includes insulin therapy and careful monitoring of blood sugar levels. A healthy diet and lifestyle are also important because, like I said, you want to keep your blood sugar levels more stable. You want to avoid spikes and crashes. So in terms of lifestyle, you would want to include regular fitness, good sleep habits. If you want to consider adding herbs to your diet when you have type 1 diabetes or using herbs to treat your type 1 diabetes, you need to be extremely careful because these herbs can affect your blood sugar pretty quickly. And some herbs that increase insulin absorption like cinnamon are less beneficial because cell sensitivity is generally not the issue. Gymnema and blueberry may be beneficial, but they should be taken under the guidance of a practitioner and with careful blood sugar monitoring. These herbs are not a replacement for insulin, but they may reduce the doses that you need. We're going to go on and discuss type 2 diabetes and insulin resistance, but here are the key points. In your diet, you should be avoiding refined foods, sugar, and flour, and you should instead be choosing whole foods. Fiber and protein are excellent alternatives to sugary foods. You want to consider eating berries, especially blueberries, on the days that you're not fasting. Consider a chromium supplement or brewer's yeast if you are deficient in chromium. In terms of lifestyle, you should be getting daily exercise. If you can include strength training a few times a week, that would be great. Make sure you're getting adequate sleep. Try to manage your stress. Focus on your mind-body balance and avoid toxins because this will help support your body ability to function optimally. In terms of herbs that you can take for type 2 diabetes and insulin resistance, consider hypoglycemic herbs like cinnamon, blueberry leaf, gymnema. You can take these things with a meal or just before a meal. You should also consider antioxidants, bitters, nutrient-dense herbs, and adaptogenic herbs as well. Make sure you talk with your doctor if you're on any medications before you add any kind of herbs to your diet. You may need to adjust some of your medication levels if you're adding herbs to your diet because you want to keep your blood sugars in an optimal range and some of these herbs will have an effect on your blood sugar. So let's talk a little bit more about blood sugar. Blood sugar balance has a profound effect on your overall health and this includes your cardiovascular system, your mood, brain function, your immune health, your body weight, your cancer risk, and of course your diabetes risk. Blood sugar balance can impact all of these things. The most significant forces that influence blood sugar levels are what you eat and how you move. Certain people are more susceptible to the negative effects of sugar in excess. The combination of excess sugar and the lack of activity just takes you down a terrible path. Sugar isn't just the stuff of sugar blues, roller coaster moods, and deadly diseases. It's also essential for your body's proper functioning. Your body relies on the simplest forms of sugar to fuel almost every aspect of its functioning. Your brain prefers glucose over any other energy source, and when you exercise, you burn sugar. Sugar comes in many forms. When you eat sweets and carbohydrate-rich food, 
foods, your digestive system breaks them down into simple forms including glucose, fructose, and lactose. As you absorb these sugars through your intestines, they enter your bloodstream. Sugar needs to get inside your cells for your body to be able to use it, and in order for the sugar to get into your cells, you need insulin. Your pancreas makes digestive enzymes. Your pancreas also has specialized cells called beta cells that produce insulin, which is a hormone that unlocks the doors of cells to let sugar in. When sugar levels rise, the beta cells flood your bloodstream with insulin, triggering cells to take in the sugar, which they use as fuel. But the process doesn't always work the way it should. Most of us consume far more sugar than we actually need, and after a while, your cells become desensitized to insulin. Eventually, your cells get sick of it. They block the door and say, forget about it, I'm not letting you in. I've seen too much of you lately, and I don't need any more sugar. At first, your body panics and produces more insulin to bang down the doors of the cells. And because it's more insulin that you actually need for the amount of sugar at hand, you might notice a sharp blood sugar crash once the sugar does get in the cells. You get a fuzzy brain, feel fatigued, and you have sugar cravings. At this stage, blood sugar tests might not pick up any major issues because at quick glance, you're still quote-unquote normal. But if you were tested shortly after eating, your insulin levels would be higher than they should be. This scenario is all too common and it's generally called insulin resistance. But it can also go by other names such as metabolic syndrome, prediabetes, and syndrome X. So let's go over that again. This is the beginning of diabetes basically. This is when you've been overeating, overeating, and your cells are just getting tired of processing so much sugar because they feel like they don't need it. So they stop responding to the insulin and your body starts producing more and more insulin. And like they said, it might not even show up on a normal blood test. It would only really show up if you were tested right after eating. Then they would notice that your insulin levels were probably higher than they should be. So you need to bear that in mind and try to allow your body the time to rest and rejuvenate by not eating so much, right? So at least try a short fast and see how your body responds to that. You might see some really positive effects and if you incorporate fasting and healthier eating and generally just eating less, into your diet, you know, not over consuming, then you won't be putting that stress on your body. So like we said, insulin resistance is also known as prediabetes or metabolic syndrome or syndrome X. And as the condition progresses and insulin resistance mounts, blood sugar levels will become notably higher than they should be, at which point you have officially developed type 2 diabetes. In later stages of type 2 diabetes, the beta cells often conk out and slow down or stop producing insulin altogether. This is basically your body screaming at you saying, stop giving me more food to process. But most of us don't 
know how to interpret that. We don't understand the signals that are telling us to stop eating more food. So once you've developed insulin resistance, now your blood sugar levels are high, your bloodstream is flooded with sugar, and your liver has to figure out what to do with all of it. Your liver is the great metabolizer and detoxifier. So your liver starts packaging all this excess sugar into triglycerides and very low density lipoproteins, which is also known as very bad cholesterol. And then some of the sugar is turned into stored sugar called glycogen, and it's placed in your fat cells. And then some of the sugar gets excreted in your urine. So the term diabetes mellitus translates to honey urine. And this comes from early doctors noticing that bees were attracted to the sweet urine of diabetic patients. So just from having excess sugar, we tend to see high cholesterol, abdominal weight gain, and increased risk of urinary tract infections. These symptoms begin to develop during the early stages of insulin resistance. So you might start to notice high cholesterol, weight gain in your belly, and an increase in urinary tract infections. Intense sugar highs and lows are incredibly damaging to your whole body. They go hand in hand with inflammation, obesity, high levels of cortisol. Cortisol is the hormone that's involved with stress and blood sugar metabolism. And these sugar highs and lows can also cause oxidative stress and increase heart disease and cancer risk. And they give you a cranky mood too. And strangely, ironically, these sugar highs and lows can increase your cravings for sugar and junk food. This puts extra demands on your blood vessels, especially the tiny ones called capillaries. It also puts stress on your nerves. And over time, these systems break down. And this results in poor eye health poor circulation, neuropathy, an increased risk of Alzheimer's and dementia, and poor wound healing. Insulin creates whole body inflammation, including in the blood vessel lining. Your body tries to patch inflamed spots with cholesterol band-aids, which turn into plaques and ultimately harden the arteries and dramatically increase your risk of a life-threatening cardiovascular event. The earlier you can catch and address blood sugar issues, the better off you'll be. Even if you and your family don't experience overt blood sugar issues, integrating diet, lifestyle, and tonic sugar balancing herbs can help keep you healthy. And if you or a loved one have already developed type 2 diabetes, take comfort in knowing that it's always possible to work your way back to better health and vitality. I'm going to quickly go over a few risk factors that will increase your risk of diabetes, and then I'm going to get into some remedies to balance blood sugar. Some of the factors that can increase your risk of diabetes are diet-related, lifestyle-related, and then some just go in the other category. In terms of diet, I've already said excessive eating is the biggest risk factor, but what you eat also matters, so try to avoid excessive sugars, carbohydrates, excessive fats, and you don't want to eat a lot of refined foods. Make
make sure that you have enough fiber in your diet and avoid deficiencies of vitamins and nutrients, especially chromium, omega-3s, magnesium, vitamin C, and vitamin D. You want to make sure you're getting enough of those. And sometimes you want to include bitter foods because they can help you maintain a more balanced blood sugar level. And pay attention to food reactions, especially dairy or gluten, because these can trigger an autoimmune response and contribute to diabetes. In terms of lifestyle factors, not getting enough exercise can be a major problem. Other issues are overexposure to pesticides and plastics, especially BPA, and overexposure to environmental toxins. Exposure to viruses can also trigger an immune response that contributes to diabetes. And I mentioned that my mother said after COVID, her diabetes came back with a vengeance. So you want to pay attention to that too. Make sure you're drinking lots of water. Make sure you're not overeating. Make sure you're getting lots of exercise, stretching, breathing clean air, not being exposed to nasty toxins and things like that. If you are obese, you are definitely at an increased risk of developing type 2 diabetes. Your risk doubles for every 20% increase in body weight over normal, so pay very close attention to maintaining a healthy body weight. There are some genetic factors that can predispose you to developing type 2 diabetes, as well as having a history of gestational diabetes and a history of autoimmune disease. At first glance, immune function and diabetes seem totally unrelated, but remember that type 1 diabetes is usually caused by autoimmune disease. The primary reason that someone with type 1 diabetes can't produce insulin is because the body has attacked the beta cells that produce insulin. Immune health and autoimmune disease may also play a role in type 2 diabetes, but scientists are still looking into that. The underlying reasons for the autoimmune response are poorly understood, but viral exposure, a cross-reaction to dairy, a history of autoimmune disease, and poor overall health seem to be factors. Now I want to discuss some remedies to balance blood sugar. These remedies are generally considered to be hypoglycemics, meaning they lower your blood sugar, and that's generally good, but it can cause hypoglycemia, which is too low blood sugar, and that can be dangerous and even deadly. So slowly introduce these hypoglycemic remedies into your routine so you can gauge your body's response. You can take them with meals. You probably should not take them on an empty stomach because that's when your blood sugar is already likely to be low. And if you already have diabetes or you are taking medications or if you're pregnant, you need to work with your healthcare practitioner to determine how best to incorporate these herbs into your routine. So first, let's talk a little bit about chromium. This is a trace mineral that you'll find in a wide range of foods. It's essential for the proper metabolism of glucose, which is a sugar. Unfortunately, eating a processed diet can give you a double whammy of chromium deficiency. So not only are you not getting any chromium from the food you eat, but eating excessive
excessive carbs causes your body to excrete chromium. If you suspect that you have a chromium deficiency or your doctor has diagnosed it with lab tests, taking a chromium supplement or adding chromium-rich foods like brewer's yeast, broccoli, and other whole foods into your diet may improve glucose tolerance and insulin sensitivity, and it might reduce your blood sugar. Some additional benefits of chromium are that studies suggest that chromium also improves triglyceride and cholesterol levels, it normalizes your metabolism, and contributes to weight loss. In terms of preparation, you can try a commercial supplement or you can try brewer's yeast, and this is different from nutritional yeast. You should take 200 to 400 micrograms of chromium daily, and it should be taken with food. Or you can switch to a whole foods diet. Eating more foods rich in vitamin C improves chromium absorption. If you're not deficient in chromium, supplementing with it probably won't help. Chromium may worsen hypoglycemia. Some medications like antacids and proton pump inhibitors reduce chromium absorption, and other medications can have a synergistic effect when taken with chromium. So you want to be mindful of the other things you're putting in your body. The next remedies to help balance your blood sugar are berries, specifically blueberries, bilberries, and cranberries. These berries are considered a whole package plant for diabetes. It's pretty amazing how many ways both the berries and the leaves balance blood sugar and reduce the side effects of diabetes. For the most specific hypoglycemic effect, drink the leaf tea of blueberry and bilberry. Folk herbalists have long used blueberry leaf tea to lower blood sugar and fight urinary tract infections. The leaf seems to be a bit stronger than the fruits and gentler than uva ursi leaves. Preliminary studies on blueberry leaves support their ability to lower cholesterol and blood sugar and protect your body from sugar-related damage, and possibly even act like insulin and help regenerate damaged beta cells. They can be used carefully in cases of type 1 and type 2 diabetes as well as insulin resistance. The berries can be enjoyed fresh, frozen, juiced, or as a supplement on a daily basis. They do lower and modulate blood sugar a little, but they particularly excel at supporting the other areas of the body that are negatively affected by diabetes and blood sugar imbalance. They're loaded with antioxidants and deep blue-purple pigments that strengthen capillaries and blood vessels. They discourage urinary tract infections, enhance circulation, improve beta cell proliferation, fight oxidative damage, and improve eye health, cardiovascular well-being, and brain function. Most of this research revolves around European bilberries, but our local blueberries offer similar benefits. So berries are generally safe and are obviously enjoyed as food. The leaves are also generally safe, but they contain tannins that may irritate the kidneys if used in high doses or long term. Younger leaves tend to have fewer tannins, but studies suggest that late summer leaves have a more profound anti-diabetes effect. So when you're harvesting leaves, nibble a few first. 
Leaves with a blueberry tang make better medicine, and the level of bitterness and astringency indicates tannin content. So if you're growing blueberry plants in your garden during the summer, you can harvest some of the leaves at the end of the summer to use as medicine. And like they're saying, you can nibble on a few of the leaves, and based on the taste, you can determine the strength of the medicine. Next, we have cinnamon. Cinnamon is a hypoglycemic herb that you probably have in your kitchen. There have been a bunch of studies over the past few years that have focused on cinnamon's ability to modestly lower blood sugar and improve insulin sensitivity. The results have sometimes been inconsistent, but they've been mostly good. Cinnamon may also help relieve diabetic neuropathy, promote weight loss, and lower triglyceride and cholesterol levels. Cinnamon has long been used as a treatment for digestion, diarrhea, and bleeding, and as a potent antimicrobial astringent, anti-inflammatory, and antioxidant herb. The sweet flavor can also stand in for sugar in some recipes. There are two different types of cinnamon. They are both from the cinnamonium species, but one of them is cinnamonium cassia, and the other one is true cinnamon, Ceylon cinnamon, and that is cinnamonium zeylanicum. They both seem to have some herbal benefits. You can take them as a tea, tincture, or capsule. Cinnamon has a strong record of safety in clinical studies and thousands of years of traditional use, but concerns have recently been arising regarding cassia cinnamon's levels of coumarin. Coumarin is a compound that can be liver toxic in excess. The real risk of toxicity from cinnamon seems low, but if you're concerned, you can opt for Ceylon cinnamon, which is very low in coumarins. The most likely issues you would have with cinnamon would be a little upset stomach or low blood sugar, especially if it's taken on an empty stomach. And it is possible that you could get constipated because cinnamon is a diarrhea remedy. Therapeutic doses of cinnamon are not appropriate for type 1 diabetes. Next, we have Gymnema. Gymnema sylvester. The traditional Ayurvedic name for Gymnema is Gurmar, and this translates to sugar destroyer, which indicates Gymnema's history of use in India. If you roll the herb around on your tongue, sip the tea, or take the tincture, your ability to taste sweet will diminish for up to three hours. This could help you eat less sugar, but most people take Gymnema in capsules to avoid the effect. Gymnema research is preliminary but impressive. Compounds in the leaves appear to regenerate beta cells in the pancreas. This alone is amazing. These compounds also block glucose absorption in the intestines, encourage insulin production, and improve insulin uptake in the cells. It may even be beneficial in type 1 diabetes. One study found that taking just 400 milligrams of gymnema leaf allowed patients to reduce or eliminate their insulin medication. Another study used 800 milligrams of standardized extract for type 1 and type 2 diabetics with good results. Gymnema is primarily used as a hypoglycemic herb, but it also appears to reduce cholesterol and phytobesity, likely due to the blood sugar lowering effects. But be careful, gymnema may cause sudden drops in blood sugar and it can aggravate hypoglycemia. So work with your doctor, especially in the cases of type 1 diabetes. Gymnema is not a substitute 
for insulin, but it may lower the doses needed to maintain homeostasis. Okay, so I've already discussed that hypoglycemic herbs or remedies or foods are those that decrease blood sugar levels, and ideally, you would hope that these would bring high blood sugar into a healthy range. But different remedies work in different ways. Some improve cells' insulin sensitivity, some improve the cell's insulin output, some decrease the glycemic effect of food, and some improve the function of beta cells that make insulin, which can alter the way your body absorbs, stores, and releases sugar, etc. These remedies are generally taken with meals to help prevent blood sugar spikes and crashes. In that way, they keep blood sugar in an overall healthier range. This can benefit both types of diabetes, insulin resistance, obesity, and high cholesterol. Most remedies also offer antioxidant and anti-inflammatory properties as well, which indirectly improve blood sugar levels while also lessening the collateral damage of chronic hyperglycemia, which is high blood sugar. Here's a list of hypoglycemic herbs and remedies. Remember, these are things that are going to lower your blood sugar. Blueberry and bilberry leaf and fruit, cinnamon, gymnema, chromium, likely from brewer's yeast or from a supplement, large doses of fenugreek, soluble fiber, including glucomanin, apple, and citrus pectin, oat fiber, mushrooms, beans, pears, also prickly pear pads, also known as nopales, mulberry leaf, tea, coffee, yerba mate, bitters like artichoke, bitter lemon, also vinegar, holy basil, ginseng, garlic, and onions. Now I want to share two simple tea recipes to help lower blood sugar. They are blueberry vanilla tea and sweet cinnamon tea. First, blueberry vanilla tea. You can enjoy this tea after a meal or with a healthy dessert. The recipe calls for vanilla-infused rooibos, but you can use plain rooibos and then just add a quarter of a vanilla bean or a squirt of vanilla extract. This tea is delicious, warm or iced, and it tastes mildly sweet even though it doesn't have any sugar or honey. The ingredients are 1 teaspoon each of blueberry or bilberry leaf, dried blueberries or bilberries, vanilla-infused rooibos, and then half a teaspoon of hibiscus and a shake of powdered cinnamon. You can also add a pinch of stevia. Combine the herbs and pour two cups of boiling water over the herbs. Let them steep covered for 15 minutes, then strain and enjoy. The next recipe is sweet cinnamon tea that you can make two ways. This tea is easy and delicious and it could stand in for dessert. If your cinnamon doesn't taste sweet, it's probably too old or it might be of poor quality. This recipe takes time, so let the cinnamon sticks steep or simmer while you're making or eating dinner. You just need two cinnamon sticks and you can either use the infusion method or the decoction method. For the infusion method, place the cinnamon sticks in a thermos and cover them with two cups of boiling water. Let them steep covered for one hour or even longer and then strain and enjoy. For the decoction method, you place the cinnamon sticks in two cups of water in a pot and you simmer them covered for approximately 20 minutes. Then you strain 
strain it and enjoy. I know I've included a lot of information in this episode of remedies to balance blood sugar, but I hope you found this informative. I hope you are doing well. I hope you're using some of these strategies to obtain optimal health and avoiding the need for pharmaceutical drugs. Let's all work together to keep ourselves healthy by learning as much as possible about health and nutrition. Thank you so very much for listening to Path of a Green Witch podcast. I need to thank the supporters of Path of a Green Witch podcast for helping me get to episode 100. My amazing supporters are Nicole Mims, Tori Poskel, Jason Holt, John Shields, Jamie L. Spencer, and Ray. Your support really means the world to me. I am planning to increase the frequency of uploading episodes because I have so much herbalism information to share with you. I have been uploading episodes for almost two years with the help of my supporters. You can join my team of amazing supporters very easily with a small monthly donation. The link is in the description box of every episode. Just go to anchor.fm slash a-n-d-r-e-a-9559. My name is Andrea, and it will mean so much to me if you become a supporter of Path of a Greenwich podcast. With your support, I am looking forward to reaching my next goal, episode number 500. 